Coming today on Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zung. They know how to look the part of charming, persuasive. They're usually well-groomed, good-looking, well-spoken. And they usually know how to read whoever it is that they want to get something from. So the big questions are these. How can we navigate and negotiate every situation in our lives, in our career, in our businesses, in our relationships, and even with ourselves for our own self-worth? In other words, what if you could win every time and have no losers? Let's face it, we're not negotiating just to buy a car or for a pay raise. We are negotiating for living in every aspect of our lives. How can we do that powerfully, successfully, and victoriously? Those are the questions, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Rebecca Zong, and welcome to the time where you negotiate your best life. Okay, so five traits of extremely toxic people. I've seen them myself. I've seen them punch walls. I've seen them do all kinds of crazy things. And I can spot them a mile away. And I want you to be able to spot them a mile away. So make sure you watch all the way till the end because I'm going to be giving you each one of them. And I'm going to save the best one till the end. All right. So number five trait of extremely toxic people is they never take responsibility for their actions. It's always project and deflect. Project and deflect, it's always someone else's fault, right? It's always someone else. It's never their fault. And boy, have I seen this. You know, they're so good at making it someone else's fault, making sure that someone else gets to take the blame. And, you know, this is something you definitely see a lot with narcissists especially when they get caught in lies. And I definitely have a video on that. What happens when you catch a narcissist in a lie, they project and deflect, it's someone else's fault, and they never take responsibility for their actions. And part of the reason why you see narcissists never take responsibility for their actions is because they have that fragile inner sense of self, that fragile sense of inner child, inner self, which is like if they take responsibility somehow for themselves, then it takes away from who they are. Then it takes away from, you know, somehow they fall apart. Somehow they don't survive. Somehow there's like that hollow inner self and they literally become unglued. They literally become triggered. That inner sense of self is so fragile that they have to push it off on other people. They don't feel whole, they don't feel complete. And so that's why they never take responsibility for their actions. That's the first trait of extremely toxic people. So if you have one of those people around you that just never takes responsibility, then run for the hills. Number four is people who are very critical, always making you wrong always making you feel like you're small, always making you feel like you are to blame for their problems. It's always you. 
you are the problem. You're the one. You know, it's never their fault. It's never them. They don't have to ever take responsibility for anything that they do, you know, and and you're the one that triggers them. You're the one who has the problem. They're very critical, extremely judgmental of everything around them. They don't like anyone. If that's how they are, there's something very wrong. But they're, they're always making you feel small. You feel bad. And if you're around them and you are constantly feeling small and bad, then you know that they're probably extremely toxic. You you want to be around people that when you walk away from them, you feel lighter, you feel better. They're fanning your flames. You feel like, I just want to be around that person more because they make me feel really great every time I'm around them. All right, so that's number four. Number three is a person who... It's always making themselves out to be a victim. That's the, the the third type of person who's extremely toxic. Have you ever been around this type of a person? They're just constantly a victim. They're constantly, everything is woe is me. Everything is bad. No matter how much it seems like their life is great. They're just always a victim. Covert narcissists are really, really great at that. And if you want to know more about covert narcissists, I definitely have a video about covert narcissists, about especially covert narcissism in relationships. And you should definitely check that out. All right. So that's number three. So that's number three. Number two, number two, this is where the person is just always talking bad about other people. You know, this is that one who's just like constantly talking bad about other people behind their backs. And you just know they're definitely talking bad about you too. I mean, if if they're talking bad about other people to you, you know they're talking bad about you when they're with other people too. I mean, that's just how people are. And so that's just a trait of an extremely toxic person. People who feel good about people don't do that. And I go back to the four agreements, which is never to take anything personally. This is a, a book which I highly recommend. It's one of my top reads. And it's four agreements that you make with yourself. One of the thing agreements is to never take anything personally because people treat other people the way they feel about themselves, good or bad. So if somebody treats other people badly, it's because they feel bad about themselves. Hurt people hurt people. Right. So if somebody feels good about themselves, then they treat other people well. If somebody feels like crap about themselves, then they treat other people poorly. And so people who talk badly about other people, it's just somebody who just feels toxic inside. So they're just our toxic person in general. And that's just not the type of person that you really want to spend your time with. There's an old saying that says, if you really want to know where you are in life, take a look around and see who the top five people are in your life. 
And that'll tell you where you are in life and you know what kinds of a quality of where you are in life. So you want to make sure that the top people in your life are super quality people. You know, I always say defend your light with your life and make sure that the people who are closest to you are people who you really want to defend your spirit and defend your light. All right. So that's number two. And number one, the number one most toxic person in the world, people who lie, people who don't have integrity, right? Liars. Liars, 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 pants on fire. People who don't have integrity, you know, without integrity, nothing works. People who lie and you know, you know, those narcissists, they are pathological liars. They lie about everything. They lie about things they don't even need to lie about, which is the crazy thing to me. And that's where you end up getting your leverage, by the way. That's where you end up being able to create your patterns, create your strategy, all that good stuff for your cases, for your negotiations. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store from accepting payments to managing inventory. Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive your store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business, Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or Shopify's POS Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bestlife, all lowercase. Go to Shopify dot com slash best life to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash best life. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the hardest thing for you to take time to do in a day? I know for me, it's anything related to self-care, yet I know it's something I need to do the most. Taking that time to work on my mental health is so important. And that's why I know so many years ago that therapy was one of the best decisions of my life. It's truly been a game changer for me. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, I seriously encourage you to try BetterHelp. It's it's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient. It's flexible. And it's suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire you get matched with a therapist that's perfect for you, and you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Just visit betterhelp.com slash negotiate today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash negotiate. 
Americans spend an average of 90% of their time indoors and take 20,000 breaths a day. And according to the EPA, indoor air is two to five times more polluted than outdoor air, and in some cases, up to 100 times more polluted. And data shows that air pollution is responsible for up to 7 million premature deaths globally. I know for myself, my family has struggled with asthma, and so clean air is so important to us, and that's why having a good air purifier is so important to us. So what the solution, introducing an air purifier that has captured the attention of media outlets such as CNN, Money, ABC, and more, which is Air Doctor, which filters out 99% of air contaminants such as pollen, pet dander, dust mites, mold, and all sorts of things. And it even features a whisper jet fan, which is quieter than all sorts of air purifiers. Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. Head to airdoctorpro.com and use the promo code YOURBESTLIFE. And depending on the model, you'll receive up to 39% off or up to $300 off. Exclusive to podcast customers, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value, lock this special offer by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com and use the promo code YOURBESTLIFE. So it's time for you to spot narcissists in less than a minute flat. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the signs that you are dealing with a narcissist. The first one is that they need to be the center of attention. Now, there's a number of different ways that they can show up as being the center of attention. It's not always, hey, look at me. I'm the best, I'm the brightest, you know, boasting, bragging. I used to think that that was how they always showed up. I was wrong. Believe me, when I was dealing with a covert narcissist, which was a female business partner that I had, and I've been dealing with narcissists for a long time, but it wasn't, it wasn't until I was a target of one that I really realized this and really started to be on this mission to help you. And that's when I started this YouTube channel that I really realized how horrible and heinous narcissists could be. They can show up as wanting the center of attention by presenting themselves as the victim, as poor me. Oh, life is so awful. And, you know, and then they manipulate people in that way. And that's actually way more toxic than the look how great I am type of narcissist, the type that shows themselves to be a, oh, this person wronged me or, you know, I can never get my way or the type that guilts people into doing things. They're actually, I think, far worse, far stealthier, really a smarter type of narcissist. I would say smarter, but savvier type of narcissist than the, the boasting one that everybody kind of knows and can spot more readily. So you got to be very careful about that other type of narcissist that also wants that that attention and has that need to be that center of attention, but goes about it in a different type of way. So you can spot them right away as well, but they're going about trying to get be the center of attention in a different way. They're presenting themselves as the victim. But 
again, they have this need to constantly be the center of attention. They're just putting themselves as the center of attention in a different way. They can also put themselves as the center of attention by immediately putting themselves the center of a crisis. Somebody is sick. Somebody is hurt. You know, they know to put themselves there right away. But you got to look to see, is this person only showing up if there's sort of like a photo op or the right people are watching, you know, like, you know, they're not necessarily helping if the right people aren't watching. That's the kind of thing that I've noticed about covert narcissists as well. They, you know, they have this need to be the center of attention. Are they not helping the people in the hospital or the cancer patient or whatever if they don't think they're going to get credit for it? That sort of thing. I know that sounds horrible, but that's what really happens with these narcissists. Okay. So that's number one. And by the way, if you are negotiating with a narcissist in any sort of situation and you're trying to figure out how to do it and you're you're not really sure what to do, I do have a free Crush My Negotiation prep worksheet, which you can get at crushmydeal.com. And I encourage you to get it. It's a free ebook, crushmydeal.com. The second thing that you can do that you can spot, the second way that you can spot a narcissist is, you know, they're always going to be presenting as super charming, super persuasive, especially when they want to get something. They really know how to mirror you. They know how to look the part of charming, persuasive. They're usually well-groomed, good-looking, well-spoken, and they usually know how to read whoever it is that they want to get something from, especially at the beginning of a relationship, you know, they, they definitely know how to turn that on. But even as the relationship goes on, as the, that bloom is coming off the rose, if you're starting to come on to them and you're starting to realize, oh, you know what? Maybe I don't even want to be in this relationship anymore. They start to go, oh, well, let me snap this person back into my life. Then they, they pull you back in by turning that charm back on, by being persuasive again, by saying the things that you want to hear. And it's also known as future faking or something like that. And even after the relationship is over, they can come back in and turn that charm back on sometimes, which is sometimes known as hoovering. They know how to turn on that persuasiveness, turn on that charm. No one is more charming or more persuasive than narcissists. Okay. So they're incredibly, incredibly persuasive and charming. So that's the second thing. The next thing is they have a huge huge sense, grandiose sense of self-importance. They believe that they're more important than anyone else. Not only do they think they're more important than anyone else, but they believe that they should be treated more importantly than anyone else. And they believe that they should be treated more specially than anyone else. That they, you know, should be the most special person in the room, that they should have special treatment. 
And so, you know, this is the person who will go into restaurants and expect the best table or expect, expect the best treatment or expect the best special menu, you know, send the, the steak back if it's not prepared in exactly the right way. I know for me, like I have been in situations where my husband and I have been with people who, you know, they send food back. I'm not talking about small things, but I'm talking about where they have mistreated wait staff and been talking down to wait staff and treated people in a horrible, horrible way. And I'm telling you, it is embarrassing. I was with another family one time where the the wife actually got up and left and demanded that their entire family all leave too, just because water wasn't brought to the table exactly when she wanted it and the way she wanted it and tried to stiff the family on you know, the, the wait staff on a bill and then ended up not tipping the wait staff. I mean, it was horrible and it was horribly embarrassing. But, you know, this is the kind of thing that they do. They expect special treatment. They expect to be treated uniquely. They expect to be, you know, catered upon that sort of thing. And if they're not, then they take this as actual criticism sometimes. And they are extremely sensitive to criticism. So that's the next one. The next one is that they are extremely sensitive to criticism, overly sensitive to criticism, and they cannot handle being disagreed with in any way, shape, or form. Even if you're not disagreeing with them, sometimes you are actually just having your own own opinion about something. But if they see this as you disagreeing with them, then it becomes this massive, huge fight. It can be embarrassing at dinner tables. It can be embarrassing at parties. And, you know, they can actually cause issues at holidays, issues at birthdays, family parties, family reunions. Even if you didn't even mean anything, they're very, very easily slighted. You can be saying, I wasn't even saying anything about you. You can be saying, let's just agree to disagree. I was not even looking your direction, but a lot of times they can't handle that. You know, this is where you see incidents of road rage or whatever, because you see these people who are highly, highly sensitive. And what's going on is that narcissistic injury is being triggered. It causes this narcissistic rage to come flying out. And there it is, right? And so if you see that, you know, you've spotted a narcissist, you've spotted that narcissist in one minute or less, right? And this is one of those signs that you are dealing with a narcissist. So we are heading down through the list and we still have many more, many more signs that you are dealing with a narcissist. Okay, the next one is that they need constant, constant 
admiration and affirmations from others. It's like you can't say anything nice about anyone else, by the way. Like if you can just say, you could say something nice about the dog. Oh, the dog did a good job today in pet school. Did I do a good job? Did I do a good job today? You know, like they want constant affirmations, constant admiration. What about me? Did I do a good job? You know, you have to constantly be feeding that ego, that black hole that's going on inside of them. It's exhausting, quite frankly, to be around these people because you, you, you have to almost be constantly be thinking about their ego and how are they going to be taking things and how are they going to be handling it if you, if you do this or if you do that. And, and this is what you mean about this walking on eggshell thing, because if I talk to this person, how are they going to perceive this? Or if I show up in this car, how are they going to perceive that? You know, every single thing is, is going to have to be filtered through. How is this person going to be perceiving this? Because you have to be constantly thinking about this person's ego, right? But their need for affirmations and admiration is just constant. I remember one time I actually interviewed a secretary for a legal position, a legal secretary, and she flat out told me in the interview, I need lots of of admiration. I need lots of words of affirmation. And I remember thinking, oh, thank you for telling me straight up front because I don't want to have to be like on the hook for thinking about this all the time. Not that I don't give lots of praise to people, but I was like concerned that what if I don't give enough and this woman was going to be thinking that I wasn't giving enough and I, you know, it was like too much pressure for me. So I didn't end up hiring her just for that reason. Okay. So the next one is they're often manipulative, using, exploiting, you know, they take advantage of others. They want to use people. They're opportunists. These people see relationships as transactional. If I do something for you, what are you going to do for me? I'm not doing anything for you unless you're going to do something for me. You know, it's just everything is back and forth. You know, it's, it's a using type of a relationship. I'm going to use you for whatever I can get out of you. And I'm assuming you're using me too. I'm manipulating you. You're going to manipulate me. It's a very mistrusting, distrusting type of world. And that's how they are in this world, right? It's, it's difficult to be in a relationship with them and they lack empathy. You know, they don't actually really care about people because they're just constantly in this scarcity mode, you know? I don't have enough to give. And so I can't care about you because I'm in survival mode all the time. I don't have enough to think about. You know, it's like this 
pain. It's like if I'm starving, I can't think about you. So that's why they don't have any empathy. This is what it is that you're dealing with when you're dealing with a narcissist. And they're jealous. They're jealous all the time because of that. You know, they just, they feel like everybody else has more. And, and so they're in this, this world of envy constantly and, and looking to see what, if somebody else has more than they do. And if they do, then they're, they're jealous of that, you know, because they believe that they should be better than everyone else. Right. The last few that I have are that they are arrogant. They can be very, very arrogant, extremely arrogant, extremely haughty, very difficult to deal with. Oftentimes they can be impulsive. They don't think about what it is that they're doing because all they can think about is right in front of their face. So what happens is that the people around them end up having to clean up their messes. You know, you end up being the responsible ones because they're just thinking about right in front of their face and and they don't think about long-term long-term issues, long-term problems and and so they end up being very very irresponsible types of people and they're preoccupied with these fantasies of success and these fantasies of what's going to happen and power and brilliance or beauty or ideal love a lot of times. And what I see in negotiations, by the way, is they will actually take themselves down to take you down. And that's the thing that you don't even realize, you know, by the way, I think a lot of times people are so afraid of narcissists, but they don't realize that they're actually horrible negotiators for the long term because they don't think about long term. They're actually very impulsive. They, they, they just think about how can I get this person right now? They only think in terms of black and white, good or bad. So they just want to get the person who is, they think they perceive to be the enemy, you know, so they want to take them down before they take you down or whatever, you know, you could take them down or whatever, you know, because now you're public enemy number one. And so they don't, they don't think strategically long-term the way they should a lot of times. Those are some of the the ways that you can spot a narcissist in one minute. And that's why my slay methodology actually works better on narcissists than the way they negotiate because my slay methodology is strategy, leverage, anticipate, and focus on you. You know, you are actually better at being a, a, a negotiator against them than they are for themselves. So Ben and Jennifer Lopez are engaged again. And I just want to talk about that in this video because what is up with that? I get that Jennifer Lopez wants to have a love life and I'm all for people being happy in their love life. I mean, why not? Why not have a love life and be happily ever after and have romance in your life? And I want people to 
be together and all that good stuff. Totally. And they should be together if they want to be together. But what is going on with her? And Jennifer is a master at orchestrating her career, I do have to say. I mean, she went from being this dancer and this backup dancer, all of the things that she's been able to do and accomplish and be at the pinnacle and have acting and singing and and remain at the top of her game and, and stay looking incredible. And kudos to her. She looks amazing. But that's all the reason why all of this is actually very puzzling to me because her love life is, quite frankly, a mess. She goes from one guy to the next all the time. She's all over the place. And the guys that she chooses sometimes are just very puzzling. And, you know, she has to be married or engaged all the time. And what is up with that? It's like she cannot be alone. I just want to break that down. You know, is she a narcissist? Is Ben a narcissist? I think that there's some red flags going on here, and I just want to talk about them. So for one thing, she just cannot be alone. She cannot be alone. And why is that? It's like she has to have a man in her life at all times. Like there's no break at any moment, like not even one day in between when she's dating. And then there's like overlap at all times. So, you know, literally she's breaking up with A-Rod and Ben is swooping in. It's like they're passing each other on the driveway or maybe he's, you know, as A-Rod is packing up his stuff, Ben is moving in or something. I mean, it's that much of an overlap at all times. And I think that there's a red flag in that. And, you know, Ben, there definitely was red flags with him, frankly. I always say that the red flags in a relationship for marriage or for for any relationship are what I call the three A's, and that's abuse, addiction, and adultery. And certainly with Jennifer Garner, he had two of the three that we definitely know about, and that is addiction and adultery. I mean, he definitely cheated on her, and he definitely had an addiction. I mean, he was in and out of rehab a couple of times for sure. He had an alcohol addiction for sure. And so as far as this whole relationship, they just got engaged. Why does she have to get engaged? Why does she have to do that? I mean, why can't she just be? Why can't she just go the Oprah route or the Goldie Hawn route and just chill for a little bit? She's got beauty, she's got money, she's got power. She doesn't need to have this this love bombing sort of whirlwind, looking at rings, this whole, now we're shopping at Tiffany for rings, but it's the publicity, it's the attention, it's the I'm caught up in the, the whirlwind of it. And that's the narcissism of it. That's the attention of it. That's the, I have to have that attention and that external validation of it. And that's really a red flag to me. 
because she can't just be grounded. She can't be okay with just being in her own space and in her own power. You know, that tells me that there's not an internal sense of value, that it's all coming from external, that she can't be alone, that she's not feeling okay with with just being herself, that she needs this external attention from men, that she needs this external attention from the public, that she needs to be swept off of her feet, that she needs all of this stuff going on, that she needs the attention from external sources, that there's a fragile sense of ego going on. These are all red flags to me. The problem with that is that at some point, all of this is going to settle down, that you can't sustain this level of energy and heightened emotions and fun and games and excitement and hormones. You, you can't sustain that. You know, let's look at his side of the equation, same thing. You know, here he's getting all of this attention from I've got JLo back on my arm and I'm getting attention for that. You know, there were red flags on his side of the equation too. He came out at one point and blamed Jennifer Garner for his addictions and said he was trapped in the marriage and that's why he was an alcoholic. Everybody knows that you can't do that that you have to take responsibility for your own addictions, your own sobriety. You can't make other people wrong for your own addictions. You, as, as an addict, have to take responsibility for your own addictions. So that's a huge red flag to me. And that's extremely narcissistic as well. And he was a cheater. So what's the next shiny object going to be for him when all of this settles down? Is he going to go out and cheat again? So when all of the dust settles on this and you know maybe they have this massive lavish wedding that gets written up in People Magazine or whatever it is, and the dust settles because it will eventually and they won't be on page one of everything and being the center of attention, then what? Now they actually have to dig in and actually be in a marriage, which is a lot of work. I've been married for 22 years. I've been in the same relationship with the same guy for 24 years. It's a lot of work, you know, the everyday thing. It's not, it's not all butterflies and rainbows every day. You actually have to do the hard work. And if you're a narcissist who wants all the attention all the time and you want all of the romance and being swept off your feet and you want to be worshiped and you want all of that, it's not gonna happen every single day, especially when you've got two massive egos and you both wanna have big careers and you both wanna have a lot of attention from everybody, that's gonna be a big problem for both of them. They've got five children between them. That's a lot to juggle and a lot to handle, plus two exes and, and all of that. So I don't know, we'll see how it goes. But my guess is that there's some massive red flags going on here. And I don't see long-term going on here. And you know, until Jennifer can really figure out who she is and feeling whole and complete without, you know, this massive worship and attention from a man 
especially one who also needs to be worshipped and have lots of attention himself. She's probably not going to be getting the happily ever after here that she's looking for, but we'll see. So there's one particular trait that everybody overlooks, but there are several traits that everybody knows about with narcissists. So I'm going to just go through the ones that everybody knows about, the ones that they think of when they think of narcissists. And then at the end, I'm going to let you know what the one is that everybody overlooks when they look at traits of narcissism. Number one, shamelessness. So narcissists tend to be openly shameless. Like they'll just go and do whatever they want. I mean, there's just certain things that narcissists do that I just am so surprised by. You know, I knew a narcissist one time who would just come into our law office and just come right behind the desk and come right into one of our offices and not even ask. And, you know, I find myself with narcissists sometimes thinking, wow, I would never do that. I mean, there's just certain things that I would never do that narcissists end up doing. So, but but they're just completely shameless in that way. So another trait of narcissism is entitlement. So they feel entitled to anything. They think that they should have the best seat in the house, the best restaurant, the best this, the best that. They should have the the, the best spot um, in you know, a show or something, if they're in a show, you know, whatever it is, they should be the best. They should have the best. And, you know, even if they're not um, entitled to it, even if it's not something that uh, they earned or something that they're even qualified for, they don't care about that. It's just like they should have it. So um, entitlement and also shamelessness, they're kind of like two little hands that fit together, but, um, you know, slightly different, but definitely they're shameless and they feel entitled. So the next one is magical thinking. This is where they just keep going. They don't even look at the path of destruction that they've created. They, they don't really care. They just imagine the world and look at the world and interact with the world in the way that they want to see it. So it it, it can really definitely be difficult when you're negotiating with a narcissist in that sense. And because, you know, you give an offer, they come back with a counter offer, you go back with an offer that incorporates some of the things that they've already, you know, agreed to. And now all of a sudden they say they never agreed to that or, and that sort of thing. It's, it's all this magical thinking. It's part of the gaslighting and it's just how they think. They just, um, live in their own form of reality. Another trait that they have is envy. They're often very jealous of people. They're very jealous of other people's accomplishments. They can't really congratulate people or be happy for people. They feel like life isn't fair. How come they got it? I should have it. Um, They don't really like when somebody else is getting attention that they feel like they should have. Um, They're just very, very jealous. Sometimes they're jealous of people that they don't even know. Like they'll be watching something on TV 
and think, oh, why does that person have that? And why does, you know, who, who do they think they are? You know, I mean, they're just jealous and, and envious in all different facets, including, of course, in their own personal relationships. It comes from this place of lack. They are not abundance thinkers. They are scarcity thinkers. So, you know, if anybody has anything else, they don't think that, oh, I could do that too, or I could have that too, or how, how great for them. You know, that's their thing. That's something that's wonderful for them. It has nothing to do with me. They, don't, they definitely do not think that way. It's very much a jealous, envious, small-minded way of thinking. Okay, so the next one, and we're leading up to the one that most people overlook, is exploitation. They're users. They like to use people. They, every single person is looked upon as, what can I use? What can I get? You know, why am I even going to be talking to you at all? They're always sizing people up to see if they are going to be a good form of supply for them. And if you want to know more about narcissistic supply, check out my video on narcissistic supply. But supply is anything that feeds their ego. And you definitely... Um, are going to be looked upon by a narcissist in terms of what can you do for them. It's never uh, reciprocated, by the way. It's like just to be in their space at all, you better be doing something for them. And if you want something out of them, then you better be ready to reciprocate like a hundred thousand fold. And even that's not good enough. Like you're supposed to do it all for them. And the next one that you normally hear about is lack of boundaries. And that is, you know, narcissists just do whatever they think they want. You know, they just go wherever they want. They look through people's stuff. They will open people's mail. They will go into people's closets. They will show up places that they're not supposed to show up. You know, they have no boundaries because they feel entitled. And, you know, it all kind of gels together into a toxic stew of yuck. But that's one of the things that they also have is no boundaries. But the last one is the one that's most overlooked. And that is that narcissists have no sense of self. They feel very small inside. That's the not so secret secret. They feel inside like nothing. They have a very fragile sense of self. So all of those other traits, the ones that people see, the ones that people identify with the most, the ones that they use, that psychologists and psychiatrists use to determine if somebody's actually narcissistic, are actually all things that they layer on so that they can hide the fact that they have no sense of self themselves. And so they they make it look like the Wizard of Oz and they they build all this stuff around them to hide the fact that they are feeble, small, scared, and that you are actually the stronger one. And that's the thing that I really want you to understand when you're negotiating with them. You actually, the, the, the biggest scam in the world is that they have you thinking that you're the one who's weaker. They're actually the weaker one. 
Coming up, more on Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zung. Somehow, many, many years ago, when they were children, they were traumatized or something happened to them that made them believe that in order for them to survive, other people can't. Are you struggling with a narcissist in your life? Whether it's a family member, a friend, a business partner, a soon-to-be ex, whoever it is, are you ready to shift that power dynamic, but you're just feeling like you cannot win, like everybody is believing their lies, and you're just feeling like there's just no way that you can shift that power dynamic, I've got a brand new masterclass for you. I'm sharing all my secrets. And so that you can finally take back your power and break free from this hell emotionally, physically, and spiritually. I've never done this free masterclass before. Go to Break Free From Hell and sign up. Come be with me and get my secrets so that you can finally take back your power and break free. Break free from hell and let's do this. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients, and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Forget the grocery store. You can count on HelloFresh to make everything easy, fun, and affordable. And that's why it's America's number one meal kit. Whether your resolution is to save money, eat better, stress less, HelloFresh is here to help you do all three. And that's why I love their fresh ingredients, their chef-crafted recipes, and you'll love the, the delivery right to your doorstep. Everything is farm fresh. Everything comes right pre-packaged to your doorstep. No hassle, no wasted food, and no boredom. You get 45 different recipes to choose from weekly, and you can even add on your market items. They choose, you can, whatever lifestyle you have, keto, whatever it is, you can choose from all of that as well. And what I love is that when it's time for dinner, you just go right to the refrigerator. You can pull it out. And if your spouse likes something different than you like, you can just choose whatever they like. And then you can choose whatever you love. And that's what the, the really great thing is. And especially if you're both working, it's super easy, super convenient, and really, really healthy. So go to HelloFresh.com slash negotiate free and use the code negotiate free for free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash negotiate free with the code negotiate free. America's number one meal kit. Take a listen to our archive where you can listen to more episodes that show you the path to how to negotiate your best life. This is to confirm that you said that I could have so-and-so next weekend on your weekend. You know, the child. What? We never had that conversation, but they'll put that in the little app there, the custody app. Oh yeah, I've seen that. And then they show that to the court. Well, we had the conversation. We never had that conversation. Oh yes, we did. They make you look like the liar. And now we return to today's show. 
hidden habits of a covert narcissist are that number one, their public persona is very different than their private persona. They look very different on the surface than who they actually are. It's very shocking when you start to realize because you just start to have this sense, but you kind of feel like you're going crazy when you start to suspect things because, you know, everybody else thinks that they're wonderful and and they still seem so wonderful when you're dealing with them, but things aren't adding up. You know, it's just sort of like they're passive aggressive. They agree to do things. Absolutely. Oh yeah, of course I'll do that for you. And then, then they don't. And, and you're asking them about it again. Oh, of course I'll get to that. Yes. And then they don't. You're so like, what's going on? You know, and money issues, you know, they didn't put the money in the right place. And why didn't they? Or they say they're going to get something from the store and then they don't. And, you know, and you would just wonder like, what is going on? You know, like, Oh, could you get the tickets and I'll pay, I'll make sure to pay you back. And then they, then they don't, or they say they're going to call when they're, they're supposed to, but then they don't. And, oh yeah, I just, you know, I didn't get to that, but you know, they still seem like they're so nice. So you, you just think like, maybe it's inadvertent or maybe I'm reading too much into this or, you know, it's, it's very, very subtle, but then it just keeps happening and things are, not the way they seem, but you know, their public persona is very, very different because they're just very passive aggressive. So that's number one. Number two is they express rage and then they deny their anger. It's just like this, this surface thing that's happening. And then, oh, I'm not angry. You know, I mean, it's just like they they seem like they're angry, but then they, oh, I'm not angry. And so you just constantly think like you're the one that's going crazy all the time because it's just right underneath the surface, this constant sort of competition and smiling but it's just this plausible deniability is happening all the time where everything they say or everything they do doesn't really quite come back to them, you know? So the things that they will say and the things that they will do don't quite come back to them. You know, they might pit people against each other or they might say things such as, you know, oh, I can see that you've lost weight but oh, too bad about the stretch marks or they withhold information. Oh, I meant to tell you that. Oh, it just slipped my mind. Little things like that. But you, when you go to tell somebody about it, they go, well, I'm sure that it was inadvertent, you know, but it just stacks up, stacks up, stacks up that sort of thing. Number three is they'll express criticism and make it sound like concern. You know, Tim, he was drinking a lot last night and I am just so worried. I'm so worried about him. I just am so concerned about his drinking. 
You know, you know, they might say it in a context of a custody situation where it's long before the divorce has even started. But then, you know, six months later, when the divorce actually happens, then they can say, I I did mention to you about the drinking and, you know, I'm just concerned. really just concerned for the children, you know? I'm sure that you'll testify on our behalf because, you know, for the children, you know, because Tim is, is an alcoholic, you know, and Tim probably isn't an alcoholic. Tim probably just drinks like a normal person, but they say things in these ways that make it sound like they're just concerned, you know, so they express criticism, but they make it sound like concern. You know, those are the kinds of things that they'll do. The next thing that they will do is they will often play the victim when they're attacked. If you will say anything at all to them, like, how come the money is missing from this particular account? Or why haven't you done what you said you're going to do yet? Or something like that. Then all of a sudden, it's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're questioning me. Or my sister died and I can't believe that you would question my integrity. Or why would you bring that up now? And, you know, they play the victim. They start crying or something. They they totally shift it so that they're the victim when they're attacked. All of that, like they're always the victim. Covert narcissists are excellent at being the victim and getting everybody else to think that they're the victim. I mean, that is the one thing about covert narcissists that they're very, very good at, and that's being the victim. And then number five, of course, because they are narcissists, they have a lack of empathy because narcissists are narcissists. So of course they don't have empathy, just like all narcissists don't. And they use their guilt and shame to control others. The coverts are usually always playing the victim. So they try to make other people feel guilty. You know, I can't believe you would do this to me. You know, must be nice for you to have what you have. I never had it like that. I never got anybody to do things, you know, or, oh, that's really great for you. You know, congratulations, you know, that you get to do that. I'll just sit over here. You know, nobody ever appreciates me. Uh, Nobody ever, you know, acknowledges all the things that I do for everybody, you know, and, you know, so they, they do things like that. That's the kinds of things that a, a, a covert narcissist will say. So they'll do things for people, but then they expect like a lot in return and they have a lack of empathy for others and for what others are doing for them. So those are the kinds of hidden habits that you guys uh, might see in covert narcissists. Really, really difficult to be in a relationship with a covert narcissist. They will drive you into the ground. They will 
suck the life out of you. They will suck your soul dry. I have been there. I have so been there. And it is absolutely painful, ruthless. And you will be up at night and feeling so drained. There's no doubt about it. So there's one particular trait that everybody overlooks, but there are several traits that everybody knows about with narcissists. So I'm going to just go through the ones that everybody knows about, the ones that they think of when they think of narcissists. And then at the end, I'm going to let you know what the one is that everybody overlooks when they look at traits of narcissism. Number one, shamelessness. So narcissists tend to be openly shameless. Like they'll just go and do whatever they want. I mean, there's just certain things that narcissists do that I just am so surprised by. You know, I knew a narcissist one time who would just come into our law office and just come right behind the desk and come right into one of our offices and not even ask. And, you know, I find myself with narcissists sometimes thinking, wow, I would never do that. I mean, there's just certain things that I would never do that narcissists end up doing. So, but but they're just completely shameless in that way. So another trait of narcissism is entitlement. So they feel entitled to anything. They think that they should have the best seat in the house, the best restaurant, the best this, the best that. They should have the 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 best spot um, in you know, a show or something, if they're in a show, you know, whatever it is, they should be the best. They should have the best. And, you know, even if they're not um, entitled to it, even if it's not something that uh, they earned or something that they're even qualified for, they don't care about that. It's just like they should have it. So um, entitlement and also shamelessness, they're kind of like two little hands that fit together, but, um, you know, slightly different, but definitely they're shameless and they feel entitled. So the next one is magical thinking. This is where they just keep going. They don't even look at the path of destruction that they've created. They, they don't really care. They just imagine the world and look at the world and interact with the world in the way that they want to see it. So it it, it can really definitely be difficult when you're negotiating with a narcissist in that sense. And because, you know, you give an offer, they come back with a counter offer, you go back with an offer that incorporates some of the things that they've already, you know, agreed to. And now all of a sudden they say they never agreed to that or, and that sort of thing. It's, it's all this magical thinking. It's part of the gaslighting and it's just how they think. They just, um, live in their own form of reality. Another trait that they have is envy. They're often very jealous of people. They're very jealous of other people's accomplishments. They can't really congratulate people or be happy for people. They feel like life isn't fair. How come they got it? I should have it. Um, They don't really like when somebody else is getting attention that they feel like they should have. Um, They're just very, very jealous. Sometimes they're jealous of people that they don't even know. Like they'll be 
watching something on TV and think, oh, why does that person have that? And why does, you know, who, th- who do they think they are? You know, I mean, they're just jealous and, and envious in all different facets, including, of course, in their own personal relationships. It comes from this place of lack. They are not abundance thinkers. They are scarcity thinkers. So, you know, if anybody has anything else, they don't think that, oh, I could do that too, or I could have that too, or how, how great for them. You know, that's their thing. That's something that's wonderful for them. It has nothing to do with me. They, don't, they definitely do not think that way. It's very much a jealous, envious, small-minded way of thinking. Okay, so the next one, and we're leading up to the one that most people overlook, is exploitation. They're users. They like to use people. They, every single person is looked upon as, what can I use? What can I get? You know, Why am I even going to be talking to you at all? They're always sizing people up to see if they are going to be a good form of supply for them. And if you want to know more about narcissistic supply, check out my video on narcissistic supply. But supply is anything that feeds their ego. And you definitely... Um, are going to be looked upon by a narcissist in terms of what can you do for them. It's never uh, reciprocated, by the way. It's like just to be in their space at all, you better be doing something for them. And if you want something out of them, then you better be ready to reciprocate like a hundred thousand fold. And even that's not good enough. Like you're supposed to do it all for them. And the next one that you normally hear about is lack of boundaries. And that is, you know, narcissists just do whatever they think they want. You know, they just go wherever they want. They look through people's stuff. They will open people's mail. They will go into people's closets. They will show up places that they're not supposed to show up. You know, they have no boundaries because they feel entitled. And, you know, it all kind of gels together into a toxic stew of yuck. But that's one of the things that they also have is no boundaries. But the last one is the one that's most overlooked. And that is that narcissists have no sense of self. They feel very small inside. That's the not so secret secret. They feel inside like nothing. They have a very fragile sense of self. So all of those other traits, the ones that people see, the ones that people identify with the most, the ones that they use, that psychologists and psychiatrists use to determine if somebody's actually narcissistic, are actually all things that they layer on so that they can hide the fact that they have no sense of self themselves. And so they they make it look like the Wizard of Oz and they they build all this stuff around them to hide the fact that they are feeble, small, scared, and that you are actually the stronger one. And that's the thing that I really want you to understand when you're negotiating with them. You actually, the the biggest scam in the world is that they have you thinking that you're the one who's weaker. They're actually the weaker ones. Okay, so let's talk about the five things that narcissists actually enjoy, like they're so sick that normal people, healthy people 
They don't enjoy. In order to understand this, you have to understand one thing. Normal, healthy people are motivated by lots and lots of different things. You know, we can be motivated and incentivized by, geez, we have a love for our children, or we want to help homeless people, or we want to do a good job at our work, or we want to make money. There may be a variety of things that we want to do. We can be motivated and incentivized by a lot of different things in our lives. At the same time, narcissists are motivated by one thing and one thing only. They are motivated by narcissistic supply. And that's it. It's like if you if you think about a person who is drowning, at that time, they're only going to be motivated by one thing. They're going to be motivated by, I need air. I need to be able to breathe. I need to get out of this pool or whatever it is. And that's kind of how they feel in a sense. It's constant survival for them. And, and so that's why in a way they can't think about anybody else but themselves. And that's why they kind of feel like they have to push other people down because it's like, oh, let me step on somebody else's head in order to get out of this pool so that I can survive. And you kind of have to think of it sort of like that in a way. Because somehow many, many years ago when they were children, they were traumatized or something happened to them that made them believe that in order for them to survive, other people can't. And so they need this narcissistic supply. They have no inner sense of value. So they've got to layer on anything externally that they can in order to try to grasp some sort of sense of value. So that's what's really going on with them. And there are some hierarchies of narcissistic supply and that's how we do create that leverage. I mean, there's how they look. And then there's that, what I call the dark underbelly of narcissistic supply, which is devaluing people and making them squirm and all those sorts of things. So what narcissists do enjoy that other people don't necessarily enjoy is, you know, kind of like that hidden dark underbelly side, because that hierarchy, that higher side of narcissistic supply, one that's in view of the world, other people do, you know, probably enjoy, which is, you know, the adulation, looking good. Of course, everybody wants to look good. Everybody enjoys getting compliments. Everybody enjoys nice things in life, you know, so that hierarchy at high side that the side that's exposed to the world is probably everybody probably enjoys those things. It's nice to have a nice home. It's nice to, you know, but they they need that stuff. They need it to breathe. It's, you know, supply is their it's their food, it's their oxygen, it's their lifeblood. You know, for a normal, healthy person, they don't need that stuff to breathe. They don't need it. It's like, it's nice to have a nice compliment. It's nice to have, you know, those things, but I, I don't need it in order to survive. And that's, that's the difference. So things that they enjoy that normal people don't is number one, watching you squirm. 
you know, and that's that's why the the negotiations never end because they enjoy watching you squirm. They enjoy that process of watching you be intimidated. They like that. So that's number one. Number two is gaining that power over you, being better than you, seeing you be hurt. They like that. They like that pushing you down, watching the flying monkeys line up on your side and making you feel small. They like that because they feel small. So they want to try to make you feel small. They enjoy that. Oh, let me let me you know create an, an event and everybody's going to be invited and you're not. They like that. I mean, that's a horrible thing. Normal people would never want to do that. Would never want to hurt somebody else. You know, when I was dealing with narcissists in my life, I remember how many times out of my mouth did I say, "Oh my god, I would never do that." I would never even think of doing something like that. I remember saying that so many times, but narcissists do those kinds of things on a regular basis to hurt people. You know, one of the things that I found that narcissists also like to do is hurt you so that they can turn around and be your savior and kind of comfort you. That's also a really sick thing. Like, let me hurt you. So that then I can like be there for you. That's a really, really weird thing. I've noticed that in some of the relationships that I've observed when I was representing people in their divorces, even physically sometimes, you know, where people would be abusive. And then like they actually got to be the one to comfort that person and then be needed by that person. That's a really, really sick cycle of of abuse right there. Very, very sick. And if you are in an abusive relationship, please, please, please reach out. Please go to the nearest shelter, call the domestic abuse hotline, please. That's number three. Number four is something else that they enjoy, which is wooing you and seeing you fall into their trap setting you up. You know, they love to see if, you know, if you're gonna be like testing you to see if you're going to be a good victim. I have a whole video on that. How narcissists test you to see if you're going to be a good victim. You should definitely check out my video on that. How narcissists test you. I mean, they're so sick. That's the next one. And then the last one is, you know, once you've walked away and you've finally gotten away, you finally made it, you finally like escaped they love to see if you've actually like escaped. They love to see if they still have control over you. They enjoy the fact that they can like boom, like little DM into your little inbox over there. And can they hook you? Can they bait you back? Do they still have control over you? Can they get you to come back into into the the lair? Oh, by the way heard our song, did you see this? Or, oh, you look good, you know, whatever, to see if you're still going to be a form of supply for them. So they enjoy having control over you. They enjoy having power over you. They enjoy having you be a source of supply for them. That's the bottom line. That's something that narcissists enjoy that normal healthy people don't. They enjoy all of those things and it's, it's super sick, but they're not 
mentally healthy people. And that's the bottom line. And so if you're negotiating with them, you can't think of them as mentally healthy people and you can't interact with them in that way. You have to come at them and come to the negotiation from a different perspective. You're going to have seven ways that you can 100% rely on narcissists. There's lots of things that you can rely on narcissists not to do. But what can you 100% rely on them to do? Okay. Number one, number one, you can 100% rely on them to ruin special occasions. And why is that? Why do they love to ruin special occasions? Well, they don't want to see you getting the attention. They hate when you are getting attention or other people are getting attention. I mean, that's just the bottom line. There is a supreme example in the whole Will Smith, Jada situation. I'm telling you, what a better example than right there. Here it was, the pinnacle of his career. He is supposed to get his Oscar and Chris Rock is there. He's supposed to make jokes about celebrities. That's his job. And, you know, I get that this is my opinion, but, you know, he makes a joke about Jada's bald head. And everybody knows at this point that two days before the Oscar, she had made a TikTok video that said, I don't give two craps about this bald head. She said she didn't care about it. Chris Rock says something about the bald head and everybody's laughing, including Will Smith. And what happens? She gives him the look. You know, if you had read Will Smith's book, you know that he was triggered by that because He didn't protect his mom, or he felt like he was supposed to have protected his mom when he was five years old, six years old, seven years old. And his father, you know, he had beaten his mom when he was a kid, and he felt like he should have been able to protect her. And so when Jada gave him the look, he was triggered by that. And so there he goes and he goes up there and he does this thing and she ruins that special occasion for him. But you know, I've done other videos on YouTube about that where why narcissists love to ruin holidays. I highly encourage you to check those out. You know, why do narcissists love to ruin holidays? Why do they love to ruin your birthday? Because they can't stand for other people to be getting that attention. They just absolutely drives them crazy because other people are taking that supply away from them. So you can 100% rely on a narcissist to ruin special occasions. That's number one. Number two, the next thing that you can 100% rely on a narcissist to do is treat strangers better than you. You can 100% rely on that because it's that face, right? That outward thing, you know, where they are 100% want to look better than to the outside world. That's that diamond level supply that I talk about. That is more important to them than what's going on inside because, you know, they don't have that internal sense of value. So they're constantly trying to feed their emptiness inside 
and trying to feed it from external sources is better than internal sources. And so, because you know, they already have you right there. And, and they can treat you poorly, degrading you, debasing you, and controlling you. And they get a sense of supply from that as well. So that's another form of supply that they're already getting from you. So by adulate them, you know, like in other words, they want the strangers to um, give them adulation and compliments and that sort of thing. And if they can get that from the strangers, Oh, you're so wonderful. You're so amazing. You know, all that sort of thing. Well, then that's even better from their perspective. So that's why they treat strangers better than you. And so you can definitely 100% rely on that. They want strangers to think that they're wonderful. They're basically love bombing the strangers all the time. So you can 100% rely on that. So number three, the number three thing that you can 100% rely on a narcissist to do is project and deflect. They will always project and deflect, meaning they're not going to take responsibility. So, you know, if even if you for sure show like you were supposed to do this thing, or, you know, I mean, I used to have people who would work for me or whatever, and they were supposed to complete a task or whatever. Oh, it was always somebody else. It was somebody else's fault. It was always something happened or whatever. I mean, they can never, ever, ever take responsibility, project and deflect it, or it's your fault if you had just been better, or if this had just happened or whatever. They can never, ever, ever take responsibility. And part of that is because they don't have any sense of self-worth. They don't have any sense of value. And so if they have to take responsibility, then somehow it takes away from them. So that's number three. Number four... Number four is what I call lying and denying. I mean, you know, it's very closely related to projecting and deflecting, but it's a little bit different. And that is that, you know, they will always lie and deny. And so, again, even if you present like complete a text message or obvious evidence that says, you did this thing, you know, you said this thing. No, didn't, didn't happen. No, lying and denying. They will absolutely lie right to your face. And hey, that becomes great leverage, by the way, if you end up having to litigate against them, you end up having a case with them. That's how you build your case. That's how you start building your summaries. That's how you start building your leverage, which is what I teach you guys. And if you want to know more about what happens when you catch a narcissist in a lie, definitely have this YouTube video on that. Highly encourage you guys to check that out. So, you know, 100% you can rely on a narcissist to do these things so far, right? All right. So, number five, the number five thing that you can 100% rely on a narcissist to do is gaslight. All narcissists gaslight. Whether you're dealing with a covert narcissist, a grandiose narcissist, a malignant narcissist, whatever supreme kind of narcissist you're dealing with, you can 100% rely on a narcissist to gaslight. They all gaslight. So 
What is gaslighting? Gaslighting is when they're trying to make you think you're crazy. I mean, they literally are trying to basically say that what you're seeing with your eyes, what you're hearing with your ears, what you're experiencing with your senses is not true. It's not happening, is not what you're experiencing. And it literally eventually makes you think that you're crazy. I mean, I've been honest and, and, and candid with you guys in the sense that I have dealt with narcissists in my own life, not just in my law practice, which obviously I've seen a ton of them in my law practice as well, but I've had to deal with a couple of covert narcissists in my personal life. I had one as a business partner. My husband and I had one in our family. And, you know, I've so I've personally had to deal with gaslighting and it's it's really just insane when when you're experiencing this gaslighting when you know you've had a conversation with somebody and they they literally come back and say, "Oh, we we talked about that, don't you remember?" And you know you didn't have that conversation or you know that the conversation was something different than what you talked about. It's crazy or when they're presenting something that's completely different. I've actually seen it in court. I've actually seen lawyers who will say, this is what the court order said. And the court order says something completely different. And even when presented with what the court order actually says, they'll say, well, I know that's what it says, but that's not what it says. And trying to convince the judge that it says something different, even though in black and white, it'll say something different, just to try to see if they can get the judge to be convinced and sometimes the judge will be convinced. I mean, it's it's pretty powerful, this gaslighting sometimes. So it's a scary kind of a tactic when somebody can be that influential. And especially when they're working on that person all the time, it's a tactic to destabilize you. It's a control tactic, and they've used it daily, day in and day out over the over time and over years. It it can definitely be very, very effective. So that's number five, and that's gaslighting. So number six of the seven things that you can one hundred percent rely on a narcissist to do is love bombing, and I also include in here. This number six, future faking, narcissist, faux apologies. You know, some people say apologies. I call them faux apologies, F A O U, because they're fake. Fake apologies, which they use when they're needed. It's all a manipulation. Everything is a manipulation. Everything they do say, every time they try to love bomb you, it's a manipulation. Every time they try to future fake you, it's a manipulation. It's all. A game. It's all meant to manipulate you. It's all an attempt 
to manipulate you. And this I insert here at number six for a reason. The reason why I'm inserting it here at number six, right before number seven, to haven't gotten to number seven yet, and you need to stay until I get to number seven for a reason, is because this is where you're like, oh my God, I can't take it anymore. I'm out of here. You're plotting and planning to get the heck out of there. And if you're in a romantic relationship, you're packing your suitcase, maybe you visited the divorce attorney. If you're in a business relationship, you're you're finally like, okay, how, how do I get out of this thing? And now they come back. Now they start to realize, oh, they're leaving. My supply is walking out the door. So they start to love bomb you again. Now they start to future fake you. Now they start to apologize. Because they don't want their supply source to leave. Oh, things will be better. Or they start to do the things that they were supposed to do in the first place. This is what I saw in my business relationship with the person that I was in the relationship with. All of a sudden, the person started doing all the things that she was supposed to do before, you know, she started completing all the tasks that she said that she was gonna do and then never had done. For me, Personally, I was like annoyed because I thought, oh, so you did know that you what you were supposed to do, you just weren't doing it. So that for me, that wasn't helpful. But for other people, you know, who are in an intimate relationship, they could get sucked back in and oftentimes very much are because they hear what they wanted to hear especially you know if you've invested a lot of time you have children maybe financially you're tied this is where they're really really good at saying exactly what they need to say in order to charm that person back into the fold so 100% you can rely on a narcissist to get that person back because they don't want to see their supply source gone. Not that they love you. Don't confuse number six, the love bombing, the future faking, or the faux-pology with love. And it can be very, very confusing. Don't confuse this with they actually have affection for you, they love you, they want you or anything like that. This is definitely a a manipulation. All right, number seven, we made it to number seven. Number seven is you can 100% rely on them to drain the life out of you because they are sucking all of that energy from you. They are energy vampires. Before I knew these terms, I used to say that, you know, when I was dealing with a narcissist, I I used to say it was like a leech. I didn't know why I felt that way, but I felt that way. I mean, you can a hundred percent rely because it is a black hole. That need for supply that they have it can never be filled. You are expected to try to fill it, but you can never fill it. And so that's number seven is you can 100% rely on them to drain the life out of you 
and you will end up feeling completely depleted, completely drained, and you're going to end up feeling like your soul is sucked. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Negotiate Your Best Life. I'm Rebecca Zung. Tune in next week for another edition of Negotiate Your Best Life. Remember, if you want more ways to slay and you want more ways to be supported, you can always join my membership at joinslay.com forward slash slay. You can always subscribe to my YouTube channel and you can always grab my free Crush My Negotiation prep worksheet at winmynegotiation.com. Remember that today is a great day to start negotiating your best life. And I will definitely catch you in the next episode of Negotiate Your Best Life. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, Slayers, I'm here to tell you about a new podcast I'm excited about, Creating Confidence, hosted by Heather Monahan, a part of the Yap Media Network. Heather sits down with experts like Gary Vee, Sarah Blakely, and Les Brown to share with you techniques and strategies to create your confidence, pursue your dreams, and leapfrog villains you'll meet along the way. Creating confidence is about elevating your confidence to the highest level ever and take your business right there with you. Don't believe me? I'm going to share some of the amazing reviews that I've seen on Apple. Here's one. Heather has the perfect gems of wisdom that not only inspire you, but motivate you into action. I recommend it to anyone who wants to elevate their reach and go to that next level. How about that? That's amazing. Here's another one. Heather is so inspiring, and each episode is filled with tips and tricks on how to become more confident and live the life of your dreams. So if you are looking to level up your confidence, check out Creating Confidence now. Subscribe to Creating Confidence with Heather Monahan today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your favorite podcast platform is.